Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just What we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. From KQED. This is Forum. I'm Mina Kim. In the wake of nationwide protests, many companies and celebrities have released statements on social media speaking out against racism, police brutality, and expressing solidarity with protesters. But they've gotten a mixed response, especially when companies' statements don't really align with their behavior and policies. Critics are labeling these acts performative allyship. And to dig into what that means, we'll be talking with our guests and with you, our listeners, curious what your thoughts are on performative allyship, whether or not you feel like brands and companies speaking out against racism are authentic and helpful. And if you think that they have a role to play in social movements, you can tell us by giving us a call at 866-733-6786. Again, 866-733-6786. You can also get in touch on Twitter and Facebook. We're at KQED Forum or email your questions to forum at kqed.org. Tell us, is there an ad, a message of solidarity, a statement that was made by a company, a public figure, or a celebrity that has struck you as being particularly authentic or substantive, or if you felt like it's kind of rung hollow with you. Again, the number 866-733-6786. And we are trying to connect with Rebecca Jennings. She's a reporter on the internet and pop culture for The Goods at Vox. And Rebecca Jennings, are you with us? And while we wait to connect with her, we're also trying to connect with E. Alex Jung. He's a senior writer at New York Magazine. E. Alex Jung, are you there? Hi. Yeah, I'm here. Uh, Good to have you on. And, you know, Alex Jung, in your piece, The Revolution Will Not Be Branded, you Mm. describe some of these attempts at solidarity from brands as a, quote, platitudinous word soup. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Give us some examples. Um, well, I think anytime you have a company like Amazon uh, using the phrase structural racism, it's, you know, like that's a that's a very specific term that has a very specific meaning uh, that's uh, fascinating to sort of read and parse for um, actual meaning, you know, like d- does that rhetoric actually translate to their practices in their company? And I think it's very easy to see that it doesn't. But, you know, like there, there have been some very like funny ones like Bratz, uh, the Bratz dolls had a fairly what, you know, people would call a, 
well-informed um, take on <laughs> the Black Lives Matter movement, but it's it just sort of like has descended into this uh, almost competition where it felt like corporations and brands wanted to put their take out there, that they were in solidarity with um, Black Lives Matter. But I think the question is obviously like, what does that actually look like in action have their own past actions reflected that solidarity? Um, and, and I think what we're seeing is an internet that is not going to put up with uh, any sort of hypocrisy. Um, and and I think that's what we've witnessed in the past week. Yes, I mean, you bring up Amazon and you point out in your piece that while they were releasing a statement that they stand in solidarity with the Black community, that they had also fired one of the workers for organizing safer conditions in their warehouse. And that felt like hypocrisy right. to you. And, right. and using, black, also, yeah, you know? right. And, and, mm -hmm. and using this kind of um, social justice language, <laughs> you also call it, you know, sort of a fig leaf brought to you by communications strategists. But I'm curious mm. what it tells you that they feel the need to do this right now. Right. That, that's actually uh, that is that is really interesting. Uh, it's interesting to me that they they do feel compelled to make a statement, and um, you know, I, I think there. Are, part of me thinks quarantine is just making everyone a little bit batty, um, but uh, I think that they. I think there's a there's a need for companies to feel like they're connecting with uh, the with the populist with populist emotions. And I think that that is what the protests are tapping into, which are mass protests, which are largely peaceful. Um, I think there is this general feeling that uh, this is something that people aren't going to stand for as a community, as a nation. And I think that that is kind of what brands and corporations are trying to play into, that they too are with you or with us in this sense. And I think that's sort of what is sort of moving that. But I, that, that's, a, that's a great question that I don't really have a good answer to. Honestly. Well, I wonder when, when corporations often, you know, the bottom line is what drives them. It sounds like they're actually mm. calculating that there's a greater cost of not saying something around it you right, know, to them, right. potentially to their bottom line, than to at least put something out there. Right. I think, you know, I think part of the idea has been that, you know, before this, I think the paradigm was when will someone break their silence, right? Like when will Kendall Jenner break her silence about X matter, right? And and I think that that is maybe what they thought they were going to avoid by just releasing an easy statement. And I think that what you saw was this kind of trend where in the beginning, the people who sort of moved quickly and uh, just tried to release a, like a mush-mouthed statement about solidarity or uh, structural racism were kind of found that they were burned immediately um, because people were kind of tired of the rhetorical noise without any action. And then I think a lot of focus then shifted to, well, how much are you contributing? So then you saw like companies like Glossier, I think like, which is, which is generally much smarter and much more uh, online, and their brand is geared towards young people, uh, women, people of color. Um, I think you saw that they uh, were making financial commitments along with making a statement about being in solidarity. So then you saw this shift towards brands then committing money because that is – 
that's the paradigm that that we're kind of in now, which is more about accountability than it is about um, cancel culture, I think, which is Mm. this really interesting shift that I've been seeing. Well, let me turn now to Vox's Rebecca Jennings. Welcome to Forum. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Sorry about the technical stuff. (laughs) Oh, no, not at all. And and. Rebecca, I was just talking with Alex Jung about, you know, sort of some of the things that just take minimal effort. And of course, one of the first things that come to mind is what happened on Blackout Tuesday. Uh, The piece that you wrote is who are the black squares and cutesy illustrations really for. Can you explain what Blackout Tuesday was and how it, it happened and then played out? Sure. So basically, a lot of a lot of the ways that people were introduced to Blackout Tuesday was they woke up on Tuesday morning and saw that their Instagram feeds were just all just black squares. And usually there was a message in the caption about solidarity with Black Lives Matter and things like that. But what happened was that when people were trying to like express that solidarity, they would hashtag the Black Lives, black Lives Matter, hashtag DLM. And what was happening that black activists saw right away was that all the like the useful information, information, the um, places where to donate, where protests were happening, that was getting drowned out by a bunch of like empty black squares. And and this is a protest that started within the music industry because of the music industry's long history of profiting off of black artists. But what happened was, I think, through some chain of events, it got sort of co-opted by assuming we well-intentioned people who wanted to show their support, but it ended up having the exact opposite effect of what Black Lives Matter is trying to achieve. Yes. Yeah, so both the fact that you're saying it literally drowned out uh, important information uh, for people who are trying to be involved in, in the Black Lives Matter protests, but at the same time, it was called out for being something that people were doing without really understanding the motivation and reason behind it as well, which just felt like this much bigger commentary on the way the brands and celebrities, some at least, are potentially approaching this. And I want to go to some callers who who have some opinions here. I'm going to start with Janet in Albany. Hi, Janet. Hi. Um, I just want to say I think it's really interesting how Mark Zuckerberg talks about how he is so pro um, um, uh, community of color and Black Lives Matters movement. And everything he does is the exact opposite of that. And um, I think he's just the, fa- the face of the new corporate world, the old, co- the new corporate world, which is just like the good old boys club in the South, where they talk a big talk, they smile, they say what they need to say, but then their actions are really representative of what they really believe, which is they don't care. And it's about dollars and they don't care whose life are at, at risk by letting Trump say whatever he wants to say. And he doesn't even hire a decent number of African-Americans to work at Facebook, nor is he recruiting. So I, he's a dangerous person. And I'm just curious about um, the people that the panel, what are they doing to maybe elevate um, who Facebook really is? And Mark Zuckerberg is a is the face of Facebook and the policies of Facebook. Um, thank you. Well, I think, Janet, what you're really communicating is is the contempt that people feel when they see uh, words not followed up by actions or, as we mentioned earlier, Alex Jung, the way that they don't align. But I think the other thing that drives some of the contempt and anger for some of these sort of displays or performances of allyship, and, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, is also just this sense of like a system that makes it so that people like Mark Zuckerberg are so influential, are so powerful in this world. Right. I mean, the, you know, the really complicated part about all of this is that, like, a lot of our critique is happening on Facebook and on Twitter and through all these social media feeds. So, you know, how 
how radical can that critique be when it's happening on the very platform that is also creating and fomenting extreme right-wing, like right-wing extremism and white supremacy and radicalizing uh, like white people on those platforms as well. So I think that's just really tricky. (laughs) Like, I think we need to understand that the platforms aren't neutral and like actually create uh, commitments around um, either policing hate speech or uh, changing algorithms or not allowing certain um, users to be on or more content moderation as a way of dealing with this. But you're, I mean, you know, you're absolutely right that Zuckerberg is as much a part of this problem as, um, you know, Jack Dorsey and I think um, other people who run the social media stuff. Well, let me bring Jenna from Oakland into the conversation. Hi, Jenna. Hello. Hi, what's on your mind? Um, I, I would like it if companies um, didn't toot their horn before they did the work. So announcing that sure. they have a plan to change their uh, board to have more people of color, more women on it. I don't want to hear they're going to do it. I'd like to hear after they have done it. I don't want, I feel like there's a little bit of getting to toot their horn before they've done the work. And it just doesn't mm-hmm. interest me. I'd like to mm-hmm. see the work done. Just like, like Prince did all this great work and we didn't ever know. He never tooted his horn about it. You know, mm-hmm. Jenna, that's thanks. Not a, that's not a branding opportunity, you know. <laughs> right. Um, Rebecca Jennings, is there a brand or celebrity that has done this right or at least has been lauded for their efforts? Yeah, I mean, so, yeah, I think what, what uh, Alex Young was saying was, was exactly right. I think this debate is so similar to the pink washing debates that we've been having in like media studies classes for decades. I mean, it's so easy to make like this social justice aesthetic fit with your brand image. Um, but the rallying cry this time is just open your purse. Like, you don't have to do much. And there are plenty of brands who have done that. I think Glossier was a good example, Ben & Jerry's, Lego even, like these very random, like, brands that really, you know, aren't really in the activism space or somewhat. Um, but they've shown that, like, this actually matters to them, and they're putting, like, actual proof of that. I think that, I think the proof is what people really need to see. Otherwise, it just comes off as, like, the kind of blanket statements you can get from literally like Amazon or Jeff Bezos. And actually, we have a a listener here who comments on Ben and Jerry's, Tamara writes, Ben and Jerry's call goes beyond thoughts and prayers. It's a call to action. And if I remember from reading their statement, it it had a specific uh, legislative bill that it was trying to support and uh, raise awareness of, as well as talking about their understanding of the history of structural racism. And so that definitely sounded like it, it, it felt more authentic than than many other statements made by by corporations. Sarah writes the Washington Redskins, the team name itself is racist and they're posting a black square was ridiculous. Michaela right. writes, I think that most companies are using their performative allyship to commodify the Black Lives Matter movement. As long as a company in the garment industry, for example, continues to use oppressive labor practices overseas, their black square is a plea to the public to continue to purchase their clothes by making it look like they care and to pacify white consumers. It's an interesting point, Rebecca Jennings, because 
you know, there was there is this question that often surrounds when companies make this effort or public figures make this effort as whether or not, you know, something small like that is at least better than nothing. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. what is the actual harm in doing it? But I think Michaela's comment kind of gets to what that potentially could be. Totally. I, it totally does. I think we've heard so much like performative activism from brands and celebrities for so long. And I think people are finally like starting to see the hypocrisy where a celebrity can say all lives matter. And then two days later, turn around and be like, oh, that's not where public opinion is now. I better like backtrack. But when you're actually showing receipts of what you donate and stuff, that stuff can actually have a huge impact. You know, I think brands and People, even individual people, are often really worried about seeming performative. And you don't have to use social media that way. You can actually use it to spread information and spread where you're donating and ask people to match you. There are, like, some real, like, actionable things that you can do on social media that are just, by definition, not performative. And again, Rebecca Jennings is a reporter on Internet and pop culture for the goods at Vox. And Alex Jung is a senior writer at New York Magazine. And you, our listeners, are with us. The number to call to join the conversation, 866-733-6786. Again, 866-733-6786. You can also get in touch on Twitter and Facebook at KQED Forum or email your questions to forum at kqed.org. Let me go to Mike in San Francisco. Hi, Mike. Hi, how are you doing? Well, go ahead. Um I just I so after the whole protest started picking up again and it reminded me especially now that it's being pride month as well um but what came to mind and what I remembered is the Pepsi commercial I believe was a year ago that had uh Kendall Jenner going through a crowd like an angry mob with a can of Pepsi and if that didn't show the like blatant hypocrisy and out of touch that these corporations are with the people um, and it's great to see and hear the comments now that people can recognize this hypocrisy and these horrible labor practices that these companies do and kind of start to realize that there might not be any almost any form of ethical consumption under capitalism well mike i'll let that stand and, and go next to guillermo in oakland hi guillermo Hi, Guillermo, are you with us? I I believe, hello, hello? Yeah, you're on, thanks. Okay, I believe if a corporation really wants to unify or be part of the movement, they should start to treat minorities with better salaries, with healthcare insurance. And instead of, say that, instead of putting a statement just because we want to reach out to the minorities and we want to be unified with them and we're going to be like, yeah, here is our statement because the movement. How about if they start to say, you know what, I'm going to hire this person and I'm going to pay them more or I'm going to pay the same as I pay the white Caucasian uh, males that I have or women and minorities, we are the last ones in the bottle in terms of injustice for payment and health care insurance. And if I get sick and I work for a corporation, they will say, oh, well, good luck. Uh, and if their Caucasian males get sick, they have a health care insurance. So I think it's time, if it really they're going to make an statement, to really start to treat everybody equal in terms of payment, in terms of... Mm -hmm. uh, I'm sorry, Guillermo, I think we may have lost you there. But, but to put your, your, sounds like your money and your policies where your mouth is here, you know, what I am struck by is some reaction that I think you, Rebecca Jennings, documented that you heard, 
was that it, it's confusing and, and even somewhat paralyzing to know how to respond in this moment because you know we've heard of course that silence in this moment is complicity but then you're saying that people are also hearing that you know a a, a statement that that is just sort of tweeted out or or shared on Instagram is also terrible. <laughs> so how, how are people navigating this terrain if they're well-intentioned? Totally. And I think most of these, um, like these messages are really well-intentioned. And I think when you wake up in the morning and you see all your friends posting black squares and about solidarity and you're like, well, I want, I believe that. And I want people to know that I believe that too. It can be really hard to sort of take a moment and think about where this is coming from and what use is it actually serving. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is uh, a movement where we are told that like white silence is violence. And, but at the same time where we are supposed to listen and make room for black voices. And, you know, at the same time, we're supposed to decentralize our ourselves um and that like to be performative is is worse than saying nothing at all um so there's a lot of like obviously conflicting emotions going on here but at the same time there's so much less an excuse for not taking like real action because we just have so many resources available to us and we don't have to you know ask every black person we know to like be like what should i be doing it's like that information is there there's no excuse not to to know it and to use it and to educate yourself at this point um, so, so yeah, that's, uh, it, there's a lot of feelings going on, but, um, it, it's on allies to figure out the best move themselves. And Alex Chung, you wrote something that I, I was really struck by. You said the pressing issue is not whether celebrities tweet the right thing or donate the appropriate amount of money, but how much longer we must rely on their largesse. What did you mean by that? Um, I mean, I think that this. I, I don't really care what a corporation or a celebrity has to say. Hmm. Like, I don't think it really matters personally uh, because I, I think that we sort of have – our energies have really redirected into this space in part because we feel powerless in terms of the the federal government, honestly. And I think, like, that's sort of why there's so much push and activism around trying to change corporations um, – and trying to change celebrities' minds because in some ways it's like the, the easiest thing that we are able to do because those uh, they're, they're so much more public-facing and we as consumers of various brands have power in that sense. And I think that we're sort of – there's a little bit of a mistaking – like a, a, a mistaken identity thing happening here a little bit where I think that – the the energy really needs to be around like uh, actual policy issues and how the NYPD, for instance, is being funded with a six billion dollar budget um, during a pandemic and a budget crisis. You know, I think like the, I think when when energy is really around that, I think that is where a real change is going to happen um, because otherwise, it kind of like I don't know. I think I think it just sort of ends up feeling like we're splitting hairs at some mm. point. Well, Asha writes, I feel like the absolute worst performative wokeness we've seen has been shown by the NFL. How dare they release the statement when they blackballed Kaepernick for peacefully protesting mm. these injustices by taking a knee? It is audacity to the millionth power. I guess I hear you. I definitely hear you, Alex Jung, in terms of, um, you know, sometimes social media just I feel like it's like a reflection of the worst parts of ourselves sometimes. Mm -hmm. And there is sort of a spirit of takedown, um, even when it's justified. But I think one thing that makes it hard is just how much power these these companies, these systems that that oh, they actually sure. these individuals actually hold, right? So that you right. are right. 
and they do have the, the the power to 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 change systems as well as a result of that power. But but I do want to bring in Renee's comment. She writes, or Renee here she writes, I'd like to lift up our local creamery churn, a new San Francisco native-owned business. They announced they were going to donate 100% of their sales on Tuesday to two organizations supportive of Black Lives Matter. As a Latina, I was heartened to see this Asian-owned business standing in solidarity with and supporting and putting their money behind our Black comrades. Rebecca Jennings, I want to touch on something that you mentioned earlier when we were talking about how sometimes the confusion, you know, that silence is complicity, but yet um, to speak poorly is is was worse, and, and that can cause people to throw up their hands. Um, you said that there were no excuses because there are so many resources available. What what did you mean by resources? Yeah, I think a lot of what people are sharing right now can be really helpful. There are guides on how to be a white ally that are going really viral on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and stuff. Um, there are like publications are publishing um, anti-racist reading lists, which I know are a little bit of a fraught concept, but there, there, there are things available. We have the internet now and, you know, we've, I, I think there's just less of an excuse for ignorance now than even there was like two years ago. Um, you know, if you didn't, if you weren't aware that police brutality was happening after Trayvon Martin or even before that, and you didn't get it after the years that followed, um, I just, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to know where to start with that. And Alex Chung, I heard you react to that comment about the NFL. I mean, was there something that you wanted to say around that? No, it's just hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I think, I think the baldness of statements like that, I think that is sort of at least the fun of uh, beating up on these corporations and institutions a little bit because it does feel like the mood is very much take no prisoners a little bit, where I think even the, the whole debacle at the Times is reflective of people at, at one point, I think, would have just sort of dismissed it or it would have been in subtweets. But now I think people are really tired and they're just going to say exactly what they want to say. And I think that has been the most refreshing thing to see is that the, the on the street protests is translating into a kind of honesty and bluntness um, from people who have been watching these issues for literally decades, uh, then just kind of like peel back the curtain on what's happening. And, and do you think this calling out has an effect? Are there examples of that? Um, I mean, you know, I think like as Rebecca has been talking about, I think it, it keeps pushing the, the goal line a little bit. You know, like I think it's not just enough to to send out a mealy mouth statement about solidarity. You also have to think about like financial commitments. What does this actually mean? Are there better ways? Are there more thoughtful ways to be engaging with this question, um, whether you're a celebrity or a corporation or a politician. And I think that that is sort of where we're seeing the pushing happening is that people, uh, there's more scrutiny and people's feet are to the fire. And so they really have to step up if they want to avoid criticism, essentially. And I think that that is good at the very least. I'm not sure exactly where that will end, um, but at least it's moving a little bit forward, or it feels like there's more forward movement than there has been in the past. Mm. Rebecca Jennings, how about you? Have you seen examples of that? Examples of uh, people changing their minds? Or or actually know of of companies saying, whoa, we really messed up here. This is not what we should have done, or celebrities. 
I mean, yeah, celebrities mess up all the time. Um, I think we're seeing that on kind of like a rolling basis. I I, I know that there are uh, many Real Housewives, and that just says more about who I follow than really what's happening. But um, I've seen many Real Housewives uh, say get caught saying something horrible, and then turning around and saying, you know, something that sounds more palatable to their audiences. And and I mean. I, th- I kind of agree with with Alex when he says like it doesn't really matter and I know that they have these huge platforms but like we can kind of see that the baldness of it I think that was a really good point like it's so obvious to people that watch that like you don't care about this you're just your your publicist just told you that you needed to take that down um and and say something in its place so so yeah I think that- it does have an effect it sounds like yeah 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 <laughs> well anna marie writes i agree with caller guillermo actions speak louder than words who have you welcomed into your employee base who has progressed within your company alex jung senior writer for new york magazine thanks so much for joining us thank you and rebecca jennings a reporter on the on internet and pop culture for the goods at vox appreciate having you on as well and thanks to our listeners for their questions and comments. I'm Mina Kim. Stay with us for another hour of forum. We'll now look at cross-racial solidarity. Funds for the production of Forum are provided by the members of KQED Public Radio and the Germanicos Foundation and the Generosity Foundation. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.